Well, a game where the Canucks were the better team for a rare occasion, albeit against the Chicago Blackhawks, but it is a tough game to lose. one nothing. the final score here on Sunday, November 21st. This is a game that the Canucks kind of had circled. It was one where they're going against a team that has been worse than them so far this season, uh, like really bad, uh, on a bit of a run since firing their head coach. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been excellent, but... The Canucks in the state they are in, they needed this game. It was a game against a bad opponent to end a homestand and a game that they needed to get back on track. Sure, were the Canucks the better team? That would be a fair thing to say. However, you got to pull out a win. Look, you can run into a hot goalie, you know, uh, on occasion, and it happened earlier in the season with Thomas Grice. We see it happening with Marc-Andre Fleury tonight, but there's no real excuse for not getting the puck in the net, especially when you're getting 40 shots on goal. The team just has to convert. And the third period, they didn't give themselves enough of a chance to convert, uh, especially when they had about 16-minute stretches where they didn't get a single shot on goal. So we're going to go through a re recap of the game, my thoughts on the game, my opinions, and then we'll get all of your thoughts, your opinions, as always. You guys know the drill at this point. Um, and, I, I mean, look, I mean, to preface this, I had a tweet this morning, and I said, look, my two teams are playing today. The Seahawks are playing today. Seahawks going against Colt McCoy, and then the Canucks are going against a really not good Chicago Blackhawks team, and I fully expect them both to lose. I was right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was right in a rough Sunday of sports for me. So, it's the Canucks, it's the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks started terribly. They fired their coach, Jeremy Colladin. They've been 4-1 and one since then. Look, I mean, actually 5-1 and one since then after their win tonight. It's, it's almost as if firing a coach can help a team. Uh, crazy, crazy thought. Uh, they're coming off a back-to-back. -back. So this is a game where the Canucks are against a, a tough, or not a tough opponent, but an opponent that's that's sort of in tough. They've been, they've been you know, not playing well on a bit of a run right now, but coming off of a back-to-back -back, uh, where they played literally 22 hours previously, uh, this should be a game that the Canucks should be able to just run away with in theory, right? Uh, we have Chase Young coming back in the lineup. First period, early Canucks power play. Connor Garland makes a nice move, uh, gets tripped about 45 seconds into the game. So an early power play chance for the Canucks to set the tone, get an early goal, and just sort of... Th this should have been a game that they should have won, right? So they should just go out here, score a goal, move along, you know, get a few goals later on, walk away with this game. Uh, power play one gets a flurry of chances. No pun intended, but the pun was very intended. Uh, Shorty later said, you know, used flurry as a pun and it made me mad because I had already written this out uh, in my game notes. But uh, they got maybe four shots on a scramble in tight to the net. Then they, they then have a bumper play that nearly works. Horvat misses the net high, but he had the right side of the net wide open. So the penalty is killed off by Chicago, but six shots on goal from this power play, which is uh, it was a good power play. Unfortunately, Tyler Mott takes a slashing penalty, the first test tonight for the penalty kill. Uh, Yuho Lamico was excellent on this first penalty kill for the Canucks. They kill it off one for one on the night. Big props to the Canucks penalty kill going one for one to start this game. So the Canucks really outplayed the, the Blackhawks in the first period. Shots were 15 to six, but the score is still tied at zero. So we get to the second period, and this is our first look at the... Um, or not a first look, but another look at the uh, Pedersen, Besser, and Dickinson unit that ended up as a, as a unit together. In the first period, I didn't like the look of this unit. I thought Dickinson looked a step behind. He was never where Pedersen and Besser thought he was going to be. Things weren't working. They do get a couple good chances early in the second, though. Besser ends up all alone with a nice pass in the right-handed uh, right face-off circle, rips it off the far post. A few minutes later, nine and a half in, Bo Horvat, slick little play, gets the puck from a skate to a stick on the rush in. Leaves Rickman Larson, also fires it off that exact same post that Brock Besser had hit about seven or eight minutes earlier. 
And then a couple minutes later, Elias Pettersson in on the rush, catches the outside of a post as he tries to make a little move in tight. So the Canucks are just getting crushed by posts, Marc-Andre Fleury, all of the above. Uh, Connor Garland takes a penalty with about eight and a half to go in the second period for an offensive zone hook. Uh, Demko makes some solid saves. And then Kurashev takes a penalty for the Blackhawks uh, to end the penalty. So the Canucks are officially two for two on the power play at this point. Uh, the Canucks get about a minute 15 on the power play. We have Patterson putting one over the net. Uh, Horvat with a good chance for the high slot. Can't get anything going. Still tied at zero. Last three minutes, the Canucks uh, try out the Pedersen, Garland, Podkolzin line. This was sick. These three together were so fun to watch. They go on a tear for about two minutes in the offensive zone. Absolutely dominating play. Chance after chance. We have Vasily Podkolzin gets a cross-ice pass from Connor Garland. Catches the post. We have Elias Pedersen trying to make a move in tight. Uh, but Flurry stayed with him there. And then they go off, and then Besser, Miller, and Dickinson come out, and they also put up some good chances, uh, but they can't beat Flurry. So two really, really good periods from the Canucks. Again, against a bad team who is on a back-to-back. We can't put too, too much stock into it, but we can give them a little bit of praise for being the better team through 40 minutes. Shots after two periods were 30-13 to 13 for Vancouver. Now we go to the third period. Uh, we have Hagel. Uh, who scores the only goal for the Blackhawks. But before that, he trips JT Miller in the uh, in the Blackhawks zone. It goes uncalled. Fans really wanted a penalty there. A minute later, he goes and scores. So, you know, uh, it's one of those scenarios where, where maybe the ref's doing a little bit of game management, trying not to have too much of an impact on the game. Well, the guy they didn't give the penalty to goes and scores. Tips in a shot from the point from Gustafson, and it's one nothing Chicago. The Canucks don't get a shot on goal in the third period for seven minutes. A game where it was 0-0, you dominated the first two periods, you're now down a goal, and you go seven minutes without a shot on goal. And we've seen this a lot from the Canucks lately. We've seen a lot of times where the Canucks just have these long stretches of eight to ten minutes without getting shots on goal. Hamannick finally gets the first shot of the period for the Canucks, uh, and then a minute later we have Tanner Pearson hitting the crossbar. Uh, then the Blackhawks get a power play with seven and a half minutes to go. JT Miller, sort of a bad giveaway. Oliver ekman Larson forced to hook his man. It looked stick on stick to me. I don't love the call, um, but it was made. Uh, and this is a good penalty kill again. The Canucks go three for three on the PK tonight. And do I have that in my pluses? I'm going to put that in the pluses. Um, three for three on the penalty kill. Canucks then go to the power play with about two minutes and 18 seconds to go. So this is their chance to tie the game. Last two minutes of the game, they're on the power play. You have to score. They pulled Demko with about a minute 40 to go. JT Miller has some chances. We then get a Chicago timeout. Then we have Elias Pettersson just ripping shots from his spot. Uh, Flurry forced to fight the first one off. Makes a good pad save on the second one. Vancouver takes a timeout. There's an icing with a second left. And the game's over. Canucks can't capitalize. Shots in the third period, 10-9 to for Vancouver. But they were all late in the third period. And we'll get to that in my minuses as always. So Canucks out shooting something like 40 to 40 to 24 was the final shots. Uh, Canucks were the better team tonight. Couldn't beat flurry. And uh, you know what? Part of being the better team is being able to put the puck in the net and they just weren't able to do so. All right. Pluses, minuses. Let's start with the positive. Let's start with the pluses. First off, if you look analytically at this game, you go to natural stat trick, a website that I've liked to look at quite a bit. Um, Expected goals in this game, if you include special teams, Canucks, if all if the average shot 
I don't know how to explain it, but basically based on shot location uh, and and timing and, you know, the passes leading up to it, all this stuff, the Canucks were expected to score 3.73 goals tonight. So Marc-Andre Fleury stopping everything, obviously, um, and expected goals against 1.56. So Demko also had an excellent night, stopping 23 of 24. Definitely not his fault on this one, um, but uh, the Blackhawks just not allowing any goals. Uh, other pluses. Um, Vasily Podkolzin. Vasily Podkolzin had an excellent game tonight. He's throwing the body around. He had a really good sort of reverse hit on Seth Jones. Um, he was making good plat passes. He was making good plays. He was all over the place out there. Uh, excellent game from Vasily Podkolzin. We're seeing his ice time. We had been seeing his ice time creep up a little bit. Only 13 and a half minutes tonight. Again, they're trying to, they're desperately trying to score a goal late. Um, but two shots for him, two hits and a block. Uh, and he won a faceoff. He is now two for two in his career in the face-off circle. Uh, a good game all around for Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, Thatcher Demko, again, you got to give some props to him, stopping 23 of 24. Um, Connor Garland was fantastic again tonight. Uh, he has been so good. And that little glimpse we saw with him, Pedersen, and Podkolzin looked really fun. I hope they go back to that, uh, and I hope it yields some results because it's a fun line that I'd like to see together quite a bit. Uh, the first two periods, an obvious plus, and then the penalty kill going three for three tonight. Uh, a plus as well on the minus side uh the posts i don't know i don't know if maybe the nets got shrunk they're not regulation or something the canucks just were glued to the posts uh something like five or six posts hit in this game maybe more i don't know uh the canucks just couldn't really get much going uh travis hamannick i thought didn't have a great game um just that's kind of it <laughs> i just don't think hamannick played well he was someone who sort of stood out negatively uh to me he did play uh, 20 minutes tonight. So a lot of time for him to, uh, have a negative impact, but two giveaways on the scorecard tonight. Um, and I just don't think he had an excellent showing. Um, what I really want to talk about though, a couple actually, actually, let's go through the other things first and then we'll go to the big one. Uh, JT Miller still loving to make plays up the middle in his own zone that are costing the team that led to an Oliver Ekman Larson penalty, um, in the third period, uh, that have been rough. Uh, another minus one and two during the homestand. This is a homestand where the Canucks were supposed to be, you know, if they had any shot of getting back in it, and again, it was a real long shot, but this was a real good opportunity to do so, right? You have three games at home. You have one against the, uh, the jets who they beat, uh, impressively. They had the avalanche who they lost to, uh, but the Blackhawks was supposed to be that game that they could go out, take a win from. It was sort of a scheduled loss for the Blackhawks, which is a term that some people like to throw around where back-to-backs, bad team, all the above, uh, and they couldn't get a win, so they go 1-2 and two on the homestand and fall to 6-11-2. But my biggest minus for the night was the third period, and it is the fact that the Canucks go seven minutes without a shot. They had all the momentum in the first two periods, dominating play. They come out after the second intermission, they get zero shots on goal for about seven minutes or so. They finally get a couple. Hamannick with a weak shot from the point. They get another one uh, somewhere else. And then they go another nine and a half minutes without a shot. They don't get a shot from a forward until there's less than three minutes left in the third period. Think about that. They go the first 17 minutes of a third period, most of which they were down a goal without a shot from a forward. <laughs> I think Hamannick had two Hughes had one and then they finally had uh, a couple shots late sure there was the Pearson one that went off the post but if you don't hit the net it doesn't count 
Um, so it's just crazy to me, right? They they can go the, this seven-minute gap and then an almost 10-minute gap without a shot in a game that they are trailing. Uh, it's just rough. Um, anyways, that's, that's most of my thoughts on this game. It was a game where the Canucks should have won. They were the better team, but they didn't get the job done. And again, we can, we can praise Marc-Andre Fleury and we can say, yeah, they ran into a hot goalie, but we're at a part of the season where the Canucks can't afford to be like, ah, hot, uh, hot goalie, uh, moral victory. Um, they gave a good effort, uh, but they just, they just couldn't beat the goalie. Yeah. You got to beat the goalie. You got to score. If they score two goals tonight, they win. They scored, they had 40 shots. You got to get something past the goaltender. Um, and it's just not good enough, right? The Canucks now have, have 14 points and they are 19 games into the season. Uh, it's, it's just not good enough. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of math. 82 over 19 times 14 Canucks are on pace for 60 points. Still 60 points. That's not good enough. <laughs> and again, we're getting into that thing where it's like, okay, well, they could go and fire the coach. And we saw Chicago's done that. And they went from basically losing their first nine games to being six, 10 and two, which was what the Canucks were going into this game. Uh, they've won six of their last. What's the number on that? Six of their last uh, 10. That's not bad for a team that started off really poorly. So uh, just a rough, rough uh, game. Uh, and a sad one, right? A game where the Canucks could have won and they didn't pull it out. Let's get to your thoughts, your opinions, as always. We'll pull them up on screen. Uh, we're not going to spend too, too much time on them tonight. I do need to eat. I have not had dinner tonight. Um, so let's get into these. And if you're just tuning in now, you can always rewind after. Catch the beginning of the show. Or you can find it on your favorite podcast platforms. I do want to uh, start getting some, get those, uh, get those likes up, subs up. You guys know the deal. Uh, trying to hit 3K in a couple weeks here, ideally. All right, uh, KD saying, I'm just sad. Fair. <laughs> uh, Marcus saying, I can't believe what I just witnessed. I can believe it. Um, Quattrop saying, losing to Winnipeg is worse than, a, or losing to Chicago is worse than if they lost to Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, going into this three-game homestand, and, and if I looked at it and said, okay, the Canucks are going to go one and two, I would have said, okay, they're going to lose to Winnipeg and Colorado. Their one win will be against Chicago, um, but they need more than that if they want to stay alive here. Uh, lefty saying better teams win hockey games. Yeah. If the Canucks had been playing, you know, to their caliber that we've seen, um, or that we expected to see this season, not that we have seen this season, uh, they probably would have pulled this one out. Um, BL tube saying better team through 40, five posts, but you still have to win the game. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, they can have all the shots they want. Uh, but if you don't score, it doesn't matter. And uh, the heat map is something that I do like to look at. And I'll see if I can pull this up on screen here. Um, again, it's kind of tricky because uh, of the way it works. But I'll see if I can. Screenshot, screenshot. Can I find it? I just want you guys to see. Uh, screenshot, add to page. There we go. Uh, so this is, covering my face, the heat map of shots. On the right is the, where the Canucks shots came from tonight, or at least shot attempts. You can see a lot of them sort of coming from that Elias Pettersson zone on the ice, and a handful in front, right? A decent amount sort of on the left side of the crease there um, on, on the picture here. But look at the amount of shot attempts that they had from the outside, right? Look how much... Again, I'm going to try to get my face in here. Uh, look how much just sort of spread out. And for you audio listeners, I know this isn't a great, uh, great segment here, but a lot coming from outside the slot, from the face-off circles, from the walls, one from behind the net. 
Um, you compare that to Chicago, which I'll pull the other side. There's a big hot spot right in the middle. Lots of their shots coming from, you know, they only had like 20 shots or so, but there's sort of a line there in the middle and then a handful of shots from either side, but almost everything coming from the middle of the ice. So, uh, shots don't tell the whole story, but again, the Canucks should have scored more goals. They just need to capitalize. Lefty all around saying no one rushing the net, not enough, not enough toughness in front of the net that, you know, might be fair. It wasn't something I really clued in on. Um, but you know, that definitely could have helped. Uh, Wolf girl saying the guys we pay all the money to, to, to score goals are not doing their job. Yeah. And I think lots of them played well. Uh, and I, like, I, I think Elias Pettersson played fine. Philip Colson played well. I thought Miller played well in the offensive zone. Garland played well, but again, their job is to score goals. Their jobs to beat the goalie. And it just didn't get done tonight. Uh, Katie saying he didn't like Hamnick today. I concur there. Uh, Total Biscuit Fanboy saying same team, no finish. Yep, no finish tonight for sure. Um, Agam saying the final power play was pathetic. Uh, so predictable they were setting Patterson up for the one tire. Why did no one else shoot at all? I don't think it was that bad. I thought the final power play was fine. I think they probably had like five shots or so on it. Um, yeah, they were definitely trying to run it through Patterson, but Patterson is the, great, the best scoring chance there. Um, they could have probably had a couple less passes, but I, I think the idea on that last power play was fine. Uh, and if anyone was going to score there, it was probably going to be Pedersen. Um, so I don't hate the idea. Uh, it just didn't work out. Uh, Wolf Girl saying positive. Puck Colson looked awesome. Fully agree. Debut Hunter seeing Garland had one of the better pointless games I've seen someone play. Yeah. Garland has been so one of the real bright spots on this team so far. Excellent night tonight. His puck control, uh, the moves he was making, which obviously puck control is a big part of, uh, were excellent uh, from Connor Garland. Uh, Marcus also giving a plus to Kyle Burrows in this game. I do agree. I thought he was one of the better players on the Canucks ice tonight. Again, the least ice time of all defense. Been 14 minutes tonight for Kyle Burrows. Three hits, a block, uh, two shots on goal. From Burroughs. I do want to note some of the shots. Connor Garland had six shots on goal. Pedersen had five, um, which is definitely something to keep track of. Um, anyone with like a low amount of shots? Besser only had one shot on goal tonight. You'd like to see more from him. Uh, but other than that, uh, not too much else to complain about there. Uh, Kai saying, can't deny the Canucks effort tonight, but I don't understand throwing the blender in the third when the lines are looking great. Um, yeah, and it didn't work, right? <laughs> I mean, the Canucks were worse in the third period than they were in the first two. Um, so yeah, the, the blender is kind of iffy. I uh, left you saying that even Pullman's game's getting better. Yeah. I didn't really notice Pullman tonight, uh, except for, I think there was one decent rush he went on, uh, but I thought he was fine. Um, let's find some good ones here. Uh, lot, a bit of complaints about Bo Horvat, um, might be fair. He had three shots tonight, two hits on a block, 20 minutes of ice time, yeah, there was that one miss, right? That one miss uh, on the power play where they made the bumper play and he just, he the whole right side of the net was open. He just got a little too much of it and went over. You'd like to see those go in. Um, Bo Horvat's a quite streaky player, right? We see it a lot from him where, like, he has zero points in the last six games for the Vancouver Canucks. Bo Horvat is not a point in six games. It might be longer? No. Seven games ago, he had the three-point night against Dallas. Uh, but he's a streaky player. Uh, six game slump for him, uh, in a time of the season where they need him to produce and it just isn't happening. Um, so yeah, something to keep track of for sure. Uh, and if the Canucks are going to get back on track, he is a guy that you need to, uh, rely on, uh, for that to happen. 10 points in 18 games so far for Horvat, but 
58 and a half percent in the faceoff circle. He's crushing it there. Um, uh, I'm saying the Canucks played a terrible, tired Chicago team. They played amazing and still lost seasons over. I don't think today's the reason the season's over, but definitely isn't helping. Uh, Total Biscuit Fanboy saying no rebounds because every shot missed the net or hits a post. Uh, I'm not going to complain about posts that are hit because that's you're a millimeter off from scoring, basically. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of rebounds uh, coming out. Flurry did a good job of that, though. A lot of that does come down to the goaltender playing really well. Um, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, Quattrop saying, why do the Canucks make five to eight passes in their own zone so often just to get out of the zone? Other teams make like two to three to get it out of the zone. Um, that is kind of fair. Uh, the Canucks do struggle to break out of the defensive zone and it didn't hurt them that much tonight. I mean, the one Miller play was rough. Um, but it is something that is a, a sort of a trend. Uh, and yeah, you do see other teams just sort of snap it out and, and move up. Um, I, again, I haven't watched, you know, I haven't focused on it too much on sort of like the film side. So I don't, I don't have a real diagnosis on that. Um, but it is, uh, it is an issue for sure. Um, Leo saying the best games, the Canucks played this season, in his opinion, Detroit, where they lost two one. Yep. They had 41 shots on Thomas Grice, who was an absolute wall Anaheim where they lost three, two in OT. Uh, which was how long? It was like a week ago now. Um, that was on the 9th, so about a week and a half ago. Um, and then this game, all three were losses. Yeah, I mean, they were... Uh, I, I think you could put the Dallas game up there. Uh, but other than that, you know, these were good games the Canucks played. They just couldn't get anything done. Uh, Lefty saying you can't blame the coach for Pedersen, Besser, and Horvat's play. They need to blame it on themselves. Sure, yeah, part of it relies on the players not playing uh, up to their potential. Uh, but also that's kind of the coach's job is to put out strategy and encouragement of players and allow players to play to their potential. Right. Um, cause otherwise, what does a coach do? What, what would firing a coach do if it doesn't have some sort of effect on how players play? Right. Otherwise a coach would be absolutely useless. Um, so I think, sure. Yeah. Some of the blame lies on the players themselves, but also, I mean, it's the coach's job to get the most out of his players. And if that's not happening, um, and it's not happening with a lot of players, right? It's not just one. Uh, it's a, it is a group of players and it's the best players on the team. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more to that, uh, than just being on the players. Um, I am going to take a couple more before we wrap up. We're going to do a little bit quicker tonight. Uh, cause again, we're kind of at the point where we're, we're sort of repeating the same things. Um, every, every game is a loss. <laughs> it feels like other than that one game, uh, a few nights ago against Winnipeg, um, which was fun. We had some fun with that, but we're, we're seeing, you know, the, the, basically the exact same things over and over. Uh, and I can't keep talking about the same things, uh, over and over until something changes. And also Gmod, uh, your VIP thing doesn't show up in the one chat thing I use, but thank you, uh, for renewing your VIP saying Pop Colson and Garland looking great. The rest hurts. Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, BL tube saying they're going to stink into the last 20 games. They're going to run over in the draft spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have seen that before. Uh, that would be really depressing. Uh, but the like, I mean, the end of the season would be fun, at least in, in some case, uh, <laughs> um, Dean saying, remember how exciting and electric, uh, Pedersen was, uh, the right year. I think you just mean the last couple of years is completely gone. 
Um, yeah, he just hasn't looked like himself. Uh, and it's a big, it's a big reason the Canucks are losing, right? Uh, if Elias Pettersson is Elias Pettersson in all of these one goal games, the Canucks have had, I don't really want to, I kind of want to count them one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The Canucks have played 10 of their 19 games, but one goal game. Some of those were wins. Most of them were losses. Um, almost all of them were losses. Um, but yeah, if you have guys like Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser playing to their potential, that might be an entirely different outlook, right? Maybe they win five more games and we're talking about an entirely different team. Uh, Ben saying at this point, I don't see any GM or coaching changes this season. Yep. And again, I, I mean, we sort of, this is something that we keep talking about where it's almost the worst case scenario, right? Team loses a close game where they were the better team. Well, uh, ownership can look at that and be like, well, they were the better team tonight. Um, and ignore the fact of the Blackhawks being bad on a back-to-back um, and X, Y, and Z other issue uh, that you know can sort of poke holes in that argument. Um, yeah, I mean, if it hasn't happened yet, what's you know what's it going to take, right? Is it going to take another like four-game losing streak? <laughs> I have trouble rooting for something like that happening, um, but it definitely could be the case. Uh, Dimitri's saying, how can you say Pedersen's the best scoring threat? Maybe in the past, but not this season at all. Uh, it's just based off of his shot. And, and I mean, you look at the way they have it set up and, and we can disagree about the setup in the offensive zone uh, all day. And again, I'm not a big fan of it, but they're on that six on four. Uh, and the real options are you can have a Quinn Hughes shot from the point and hope it sneaks through and gets tipped or whatever. That's a pretty low percentage play. Uh, you could have Besser or Miller shooting from the opposite side. Um, but I still think your best shooter, your best pure shooter on the team, regardless of how he's played. And I don't think Pedersen's issue in his play has been his shot. I, I mean, his shot hasn't been perfect, but a lot of it has been his skating, uh, his confidence, um, and just lack of sort of awareness. But I think his shot is still there. And, and we saw Pedersen's one shot during that two-minute power play that completely handcuffed Flurry. It was a shot that was pretty saveable, but he really struggled to handle it. And there was the other one that Flurry had to make a great save on. Uh, I think that your best plays are either the Horvat bumper play, which is going to be tough because they're really trying to lock down the front of the net in that scenario, uh, or the Pedersen one-timer. Uh, so that's the play that they ran with. So I don't disagree with the idea there. Uh, Nicholas saying who my player of the game was, uh, Vasily Podkolzin. Um, or you could also give it to Demko. Demko was great. Um, but I mean, if it's anyone in the game, it's, it's flurry, obviously. Uh, but for the Canucks, Pod Colson's my number one. Garland's my number two. Demko is my number three. Um, anything else I want to read here? Uh, Irwin saying that the effort was there other than the session they got scored on. Yeah. I mean, the first two periods was great. Uh, but the first seven minutes of the third and sort of the middle eight minutes of the third weren't. Uh, Erwin then saying the messy passes, shot choices, and player spacing screens out to me that if their systems are totally not working. Um, yeah, and I don't know if that really falls into account as much this game, uh, but I think over the course of the season, that's definitely a fair uh, criticism for sure. Uh, the Elder saying, I'm convinced the team is cursed. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much evidence against that, uh, even if you don't believe in curses. Um um, Sam Wu saying, so we're the better team against a team that's less talented and still lost. That's effing depressing. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, I think everyone's sort of on the same page there. Uh, it is depressing. Uh, it's frustrating. It's, 
Uh, it's annoying. Uh, I just look. I mean, we can talk about how this season might be done, um, but just for my own sanity, I want to see wins, right? Um, we're starting to get to points where I'm not watching the game for enjoyment's sake. Uh, I'm more watching it for the post game, um, for this stream more so. Uh, that was the case with the Jets game two days ago. If I wasn't doing this, I wouldn't have watched that game, which is pretty rare for me, but I just wouldn't have. It was a Friday night. I would have gone and done something else. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's just, it just gets frustrating. Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to wrap up for the night. Oh, I did want to talk about the uh, this, the games coming up. That's the one thing I haven't mentioned. Um, so the Canucks going now on a five-game road trip. They're 6-11-2. We're talking about a team that needs to win four of these games. <laughs> and again, all, every single sort of mini stretch of games, uh, it comes up and we say, okay, what do the Canucks have to do to sort of stay alive? And every time that they go below 500 on one, uh, like that uh, this homestand, they went one and two, we now have to start looking at, okay, what do they have to do to sort of get back uh, in the season? If they go three and two, which would be a good road trip, it's not good enough because now the team's, what, nine, uh, thir- nine and 13 and two. So they're still so far behind the eight ball and they're just running out of time. This is a team that has to win four games, basically, to be at least remotely in the mix. That means they have to go beat Pittsburgh, beat Columbus, maybe lose to Boston, beat Montreal, beat Ottawa. Montreal and Ottawa are the winnable games in this road trip, like the most winnable games. Columbus hasn't looked great either. Um, But if the Canucks go 0-3 leading into the Montreal-Ottawa games, then who cares at that point? Yeah, you can go beat them. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. So Canucks don't play until Wednesday. That means tomorrow night, Tuesday night, no show from me, unless obviously something big happens, which I am doubting. If there was a coaching change or a management change, uh, expect a stream that night that it happens. But other than that, it's probably not going to. Uh, So the Canucks Penguins Wednesday, 4 p.m. Canucks Blue Jackets on Friday. Uh, Canucks Bruins on Sunday. And then the... so three games in the next week or so um we do have canucks after dark tomorrow every monday night uh, a show where canuck clay and i talk about the canucks and cry uh on each other's shoulders for an hour uh so if you want to come join that uh there should be a link to canucks after dark in the description you can just search for it on youtube or your favorite podcast platform you guys know the deal at this point uh you can go follow me on twitter join the discord do all that good stuff make sure you subscribe to the channel for more of these hit the like button and all of the normal things we're gonna wrap up there have a good night uh, and hopefully we have a win to talk about on wednesday see you later